welcome and thank you for tuning in to the Grace Assembly of God Sermon Podcast. Grace exists to help people discover a life of purpose in Jesus Christ through discipleship and serving one another. If you would like additional information, visit us online at www.graceofbelair.com. Again, thank you for joining us and enjoy this week's message. And we're continuing our series. If you've been with us, we've been talking on a series called Double Blessings, written by a pastor in in Washington, D.C., Mark Batterson. Um, He's a New York Times bestseller, and he's been, uh, he wrote a book about double blessings, how God, uh, his uh, default setting is to bless people. And so uh, we've been going through some things as a church to kind of help us discover more about uh, what blessings that God has for his people. And so today we're going to be uh, the title of the message is on Discovering Life's Blessings, and so we're going to be looking at this through the eyes of some individuals from Luke 17, seeing life's blessings as a result of God's grace. And, um, you know, I don't know about you, but I'm thankful for people that are professionals and in their fields, and especially when it comes to doctors. If you've been a doctor or if you're a nurse, I am thankful for you. Simply because there are times that people pretended to be a doctor to me, and they were not a doctor whatsoever. Um, You know, when I was growing up, um, you know, there was a—I was a teenager at the time—and I had uh, in my house this candle with glass that was around it, and it had fallen off the the shelf that it was on, and I tried to grab it, and as soon as I grabbed it, that glass shattered in my hands, and a piece of it went into my thumb. And it cut a very large piece or large part of my thumb. And, and so it wasn't pretty sight. I had to go to the hospital to get stitches right away. And, you know, if you've had stitches before, they're, they're very annoying. It's just super annoying to have. And so um, it came that time where I was supposed to get the stitches out, right? And I was like, and for some strange reason, I don't really remember why. Um, I, we just weren't able to go to the doctor's office to get them out. And so, you know, my mom in that moment said this to me, oh, I've seen them do it plenty of times. It's easy as one, two, three. Why don't I just do it for you? And I was like, sure, right? Because, you know, moms have done, you know, my mom has done a lot for me. I've trust her. She's, she's handled a lot of things. She's helped me with scrapes and all that stuff. And, and so I'm just like, sure, why not? And so in the middle of this whole process, the pain level has increased greatly um, on me, and I'm like, man, this is not, I keep saying, mom, this does not feel right, and she's like, no, it's fine, it's fine, it's fine. Now, when you start hearing that, it's fine, it's fine, it's fine, I don't know if she's trying to convince me or herself, like, it's like two different things, and so she's co- trying to convince me that it's fine, and, and so I, as, as she's working on it, I'm like, man, this is really, this, this is hurting bad, like, this is like, my brain is just like, I'm getting really foggy, and so I go, mom, I feel like I'm going to pass out, and as soon as I said those words, next moment I realized is that I'm waking up off the bathroom floor, and I realized in that moment that I had just passed out from the pain. And, um, and so, you know, my mom was like freaking out, you know, my brother and sister, they're laughing, of course, they're, they think it's hilarious. And, and so, and then I said, did you get the stitches out? She said, no. I was like, after all that work, after all that effort, I even passed out, and that still did not get the stitches out. And so... Uh, needless to say, I became extremely grateful 
for, for doctors and nurses because I, I'm, from now on, I'm just going to trust them and trust that process. And so um, this morning, we're going to look at a story uh, about a, a particular individual who does something rather uh, unique, and, and Jesus is going to do something for him as well as some other individuals, and recognizing the blessing that God does for them is what these individuals will do, and one will go above and beyond recognizing the blessings of what God has done uh, for them. And so, um, you know, it's, it's easy to, you know, to take things for granted, right? It's easy to take life for granted. As I've shared about the story of when I was a, a teenager, it's easy to take, you know, example, doctors for granted and just think that it's just, it's not that hard. You can just do it yourself, but then you realize it is hard. It's not easy. And so you become more grateful for things, especially when you understand the context of, 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 of what people do and how they do it. And so this morning, we're going to look at specifically the context of this whole story and how this will help us to discover life's blessings. Because blessings is going to look different for everybody. There are blessings you have that no one else in this room has. There are blessings I have that no one else in this room has. We all have blessings in our life. And it's important to recognize those blessings. It's important to actually thank God for those blessings because, you know, He is a good God and He desires to take care of us. And so this morning we're going to look at that. We're going to find this in Luke 17, verses 11 uh, through 19. We're going to look at life and what it brings. Life brings challenges. And I'm pretty sure everybody can say amen to that one because I'm pretty sure everybody in here is facing a challenge. At some point in your life, you will face a challenge. If not, in fact, you're facing it right now. Um, life brings challenges. And so we're going to look at this scripture in Luke's gospel to kind of get you to understand uh, Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem, which is where he will die on the cross for the sins of the world. He has his eyes fixed on Jerusalem. But on the way, he makes these little pit stops in these villages and, and areas to minister to certain people that he wants to minister to. And it's, Luke's gospel is very specific because this is the fourth miracle he will bring up on the journey to Jerusalem. And so he brings up five different miracles. This is the fourth one that he brings up in his gospel from the journey Jesus is going on to Jerusalem. So it sounds like Jesus has a mission, he has a mindset, and he knows exactly what he's doing, you know. And so this morning we're going to see how this story unfolds, and we're going to look at the very first point, which is life brings challenges. Verse 11 says this, Now on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. As he was going into a village, ten men who had leprosy met him. We're going to stop right there simply because Luke is very specific about where Jesus is. He is on the border between Samaria and Galilee. Samaritans do not like Jewish people. Jewish people do not like Samaritans. And so Luke is very specific. He's on the border, which means he's in a very tense area. You know, we have countries around the world and their borders, it's very tense, right? It's like... There's, don't mess with them, you don't mess with us, we're not going to mess with you, and it's very tense on the borders. And for, for this particular situation, Jesus is in a similar situation. He is on the border where there are Jewish people and Samaritan people. Samaritans considered, were considered to be half Jewish. They weren't full Jewish. And so for Samaritans, they would, they would marry people who weren't Jews, and so that's how they got the phrase from the from the Jews themselves, and then you have Jewish people who are saying, well, we're 100% Jew, you're not, and it's just like, 
they end up having similar thing, or several different things happening um, that we won't have time to get into. But there's just, it's created a lot of division. It's created a lot of problems in their areas. And so they find it best to just separate themselves. But Luke is saying he's traveling along the border, which means Jesus is being very intentional about what he's going to do. He is about bringing people together. That's who Jesus is. That's what he wants to do. He's about bringing people together. He's not, a, he's not about picking sides. He's not about trying to, to say this person's right, this person's wrong. Jesus has come to take over. He is not interested in picking sides. We're in a world that's interested in picking sides. Whose side are you on, right? Jesus is about bringing people together. And that's the, the main thing that's coming from this is that Luke is pointing out. And so from this, as you can see, Jesus is intentional about going to Jerusalem Jesus is intentional about traveling right now along a border that can be very tense. And so it begs the question, is this really a challenge to Jesus or is this something else? Because he seems to know what he's doing, right? It's, it's, when a challenge is facing, when you face a challenge, it's hard to know maybe what to do. You're trying to get wisdom. You're trying to figure it out, right? That's just our natural instinct is it's a challenge because we don't know the answer or the answer is not that simple right? And so for Jesus, it seems like he's, he's very well aware of things, and he's being very intentional. So what is this to Jesus? Well, if you look in Isaiah 40, verse 25 through 26, it says this, to whom will you compare me, or who is my equal, says the Holy One. Lift your eyes up and look to the heavens, who created all these. He who brings out the starry hosts one by one gives forth each of them a name. Because of his great power and mighty strength, not one goes missing. So Isaiah is, the prophet, is quoting something that the Lord has said, saying, who can you compare me to? No one. No one can, no one is my challenger, in other words. There is no one who can challenge me. No one who's worthy to be even considered a challenger. Not even Satan himself is worthy to be considered a challenger to God. And so what is, what is, what is the point of all this? Jesus looks at these not as challenges, but as opportunities. These are opportunities for God to show his great and mighty power, as Isaiah 40 says. It's an opportunity. It's not a challenge to him. And so from this, you know, we're going to look at these 10 men who are facing leprosy. You know, leprosy is not a a very good condition to have. If you had leprosy, you'd be excommunicated from your community. You would be on the outside of town. You would not be inside the town. It's kind of like people with the flu right now. We see them and we're like, God bless you, but stay over there, right? It's like, please don't come near me. Yes, I will pray for you, but I will pray from a distance. Amen, right? And that's just, that's just how we treat people that have the flu right now. If you have the flu, you have every right to be home right now. I promise you, you're not, we are, we are okay. We don't, want, we don't want to get sick and we will pray for you. I'm just saying, um, you know, because the flu is going around right now. And so everybody's just avoiding at all costs people with the flu, right? And so with leprosy, leprosy is a little bit different. It has a lot of problems that come with leprosy. It's a skin condition. And so these people are excommunicated if they, if they have leprosy. It could be very, very severe. It could be an ongoing thing. It is very terrible um, to have. And so people don't want to get touched. They don't want to, because it's contagious. And so these people are, you know, facing something that's rather challenging. And it's basically saying, you have leprosy, there's no hope for you. Like, there's nothing we can do. There's no doctor that can help you. There's nothing. Nobody can do anything for you. It's over. You have leprosy. 
just deal with it for the rest of your life. That's it. And so these 10 men have a challenge to, that they're facing. Um, and it sounds like the challenger has won. Leprosy has won. And so many times what we face today is there are challenges that you face, and it looks like the challenger has won. And what's interesting is we treat people like they did. They treat leprosy as a challenge, and so they back away and they run from it, which is what a lot of people can do, including myself. When we see a challenge, when we see an issue, whether it's our own issue, somebody else's issue, we run from it. That's such a natural instinct for all of us. We say, well, I can't do anything about it, so what's the point? Or it's, it's already taken place, it's already been done, there's nothing I can do. Or, you know, it could be sickness, it could be money problems, it could be family division, it could be loss of a job, it could be a number of different situations, marriage problems, responsibilities, failure, I mean, you name it. There could be a number of things that we run away from because it's a challenge that just doesn't seem like no one can win. It just doesn't seem like there's a win. Like, we can't win at this, and so we ignore it, or we turn around and head the other direction. We don't want to be the, the answer to so, this person's problems, because we know there could be things that come on our plate that we don't necessarily have time to deal with. It's just our natural instinct. And this is um, an important thing for, for us to recognize, is that what Jesus does with challenges, he doesn't look at it as a challenge. He looks at it as an opportunity. An opportunity to do something about a situation that everybody else is running away from. Which begs the question, as people, what do we ignore and what do we run away from? What, are we running away from responsibility? Are we running away from, from the issues? Are we running away from people? Are we, what are we running away from? You know, because there are things that I see that I'm like, wow, that's an opportunity for for God to do something. At the same time, I know that there are things that I am completely unaware of. It's just our human nature. We can't see everything, but it's important to see it. It's important to recognize that there are situations and challenges that are facing our world, and Christians all around this world should be the ones should, that, that should be tackling these problems and issues. Whether that's that's government issues, whether that's justice system issues, whether that's community issues, we should be the ones tackling this. We should be the ones stepping up to the plate and saying, you know what, this is an opportunity for God to show his great and awesome power. This is an opportunity. This is an opportunity. And that's such an important thing to draw out from this, is that challenges for Jesus are not challenges at all. They're actually opportunities. For Jesus. Jesus is fully aware of what he's getting himself into. And he's fully aware he's going to the cross. He's fully aware he's walking along a border that's tense. He's fully aware of all of it. But he sees it as an opportunity for God to show his great and awesome power. Next point we're going to look at today is, is choices. Life brings choices. Choices that affect you. Choices that affect other people around us. In verse 12, it says this in the second part of it. They stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. When he saw them, he said, go and show yourselves to the priest. And as they went, they were cleansed. And so this is important when we talk about, about choices, about what these individuals chose to do in this moment. They chose to not just go with the flow of what the world kept telling them how they should be and how they should act. You know, it reminds me of when I was younger, my dad would 
you know, my parents would make decisions, you know, that they, and sometimes, pretty much all the time, I would disagree with. And if any parent is in the room, you can say amen at this point. And so, um, my, my dad, you know, there were times that movies came out, I wanted to go see the movie, and, you know, I would ask my parents, can I go see the movie, such and such a scene, and blah, 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 and then my parents would say, We've, we understand that you want to go see it. We, we've researched the movie. We understand what is being projected from that screen, and we just don't feel comfortable sending you there to see that movie. How many know, parents, it's important to know what your kids are seeing on a screen? Internet, movie theaters, television, whatever. It is important that, they, that you know what they're viewing. You don't just give them open access to everything. You have to be careful of what your child is seeing. Because just because everybody else sees it doesn't mean it's a good thing for them to view as well. And so now I know this, right? And so all your teenagers are now happy that I said that from the pulpit. But so, so when, when I was told this, of course, I just, I just said, you know what, Mom and Dad, you're right. No, I did not say that. I got angry. I got mad. And, you know, I would just say, well, why, why? And my dad had this phrase that he would always say. And I knew what it meant because he would always preach about it from the stage. And, and so I knew all the context surrounding this phrase, and he would always say, well, son, we're just different. And I'd just say, oh, there's that phrase again, right? Maybe teenagers in the room, mom and dad have a phrase that just irritates you to death. It's like, don't say that, right? Because you know what it means, right? My dad would just say it all the time. We're different, you know? And I would just, you know, of course, comply with that. No, I would not comply with that. I would come with every reasonable argument because my reasons are always reasonable, right? And so, and so I would just give them the reasons why I need to go see it. And so, you know, of course, that phrase would just continue. You said, you know what, it, it may be okay for them to see it. Their parents may okay that for them, but we're different. We're not going to say it's okay. Just because everybody says it's okay doesn't mean we think it's okay for you. And so I would walk away and I would tell my friends and my buddies and say, we're just different. No, I would not say that to them. I would just say, you know, I'd make up some lame excuse. Oh, you know, something came up, whatever. I can't go, blah, blah, blah. And so then I had to hear about it, and that just irritated even more. Um, the point of all that is you and I have choices to make, and it does affect the people around us, and it does affect you uh, just as much. And so these men in this story, it says they stood at a distance, and this is what they said and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. They're used to, people are used to lepers shouting. Because here's the humiliation of being a leper, is that you have to announce to people that you're unclean. Can you imagine walking around Hartford County and having to yell every time you come into a grocery store, I'm unclean. Can you imagine saying that to people? I mean, how humiliating would that be? You are announcing to everybody around you, do not come near me. Avoid me at all costs. Because I am a leper, and you do not want want what I have. And so everybody would just, you, that would be a rule that they would set. You have to announce your presence. Now, there's nothing more humiliating, I've, I feel like, than that, is, is being embarrassed by having to say that. So they're used to shouting. They're used to shouting this. And it says they stood at a distance, and they didn't shout, I'm unclean. They shouted, Jesus, Master, have pity on me. Have pity on us. Have mercy, in other words. And I think it's very important that we understand the difference between grace and mercy. What are they saying? Grace is getting what you don't deserve. It's receiving something back that you do not deserve. Mercy is not getting what you deserve. So what are they saying to Jesus? 
Jesus, Master, don't give us what we deserve. That's a powerful statement. Jesus, Master, don't give us what we deserve. They understood very well what they deserved. Not just from a physical point, but a spiritual aspect because that's how their culture interpreted things. If something was wrong with you physically, there's something wrong with you spiritually. And so they were saying, Jesus, Master, please don't give us what we deserve. We know what we deserve, but please don't give it to us. And so Jesus has a choice to make, to be merciful or to ignore. And that's such an important thing to, to bring to light is because it says this, when he saw them, you know Jesus sees you in the middle of your messes? Do you know that? Jesus sees you in the middle of your mess. Jesus sees the issues you deal with, the struggles you have, the inward struggles that you deal with. Jesus sees every aspect of your life. He knows everything. Now, for some people, they, they, for Christians, maybe you understand that, but there could be other Christians in this room who don't necessarily want something to be revealed because they're ashamed of it. They don't want that to be identified. They don't want that being brought to light because they know of what others will think about them. Can I just, be, can I just comfort you a little bit? God knows already about your, what you're going through. He knows exactly what you're dealing with. And you know what? He sees you. And he doesn't have a look of disappointment. He doesn't have a look of, I can't believe you would be that kind of a person. That's not his look. It's a look of mercy. It's the look of grace. That's what he's looking at. He's saying, I have mercy for you. I have grace for you. That's what I have. And so many times what we can do is we can take human relationship because it's what somebody else did to us and we think that's the way God's going to react to us too. And that's not always the case. And he says, they, they are saying, don't give us what we deserve. Jesus, Master. They understand exactly who Jesus is. They understand a very important thing. They call him Master. And this is such an, an important thing. But what's even more, what's more important is that Jesus gives them a choice to respond in faith. Go and show yourselves to the priests. Go and show yourselves to the priests that you're clean. Now, if you're, if you're the leper in this situation, you're looking at your skin. It's pretty obvious you got leprosy, okay? And so Jesus is saying, go show yourself to the priest that you're clean. A leper is looking at himself saying, Jesus, I don't think you understand me, but right now I'm not clean. So why would I go and show myself clean to a bunch of individuals that can allow me back in the community when I know very well I'm looking at my skin right now? I am not clean. I am unclean. And Jesus, you're telling me to start walking that direction. Jesus is saying, yes. You see, because what happens a lot of times is we can get in a negotiation with Jesus. We can negotiate salvation, which is not salvation at all, because it is salvation that comes from him. It does not come from you. And so when you go to the table trying to negotiate your terms, God, I want you to change me, but please do not change everything about me. I like this. I like that still. You're you're negotiating. That's not, that's not what salvation is. That's not how this thing works. When we want God to do something in our, in our middle of our situation, in the middle of our circumstances, you have to allow God to take complete control, which means you've got to open up your mind and say, it doesn't have to be the way I think it should happen. It can actually be something I didn't even consider yet. You have to open up your mind and your heart to it. But what happens a lot of times, including myself, is we get a very unique 
perspective as to what that's going to look like rather than opening up our mind, opening up our heart into what God would actually want to do because it may not even been on your radar to do that. And this is what, I mean, these guys were expecting just a snap of a finger. We're healed. Jesus said, no, go show yourself to the priest that you're clean, even though right now you're not. And so it says that they went, they walked, and they realized that they were clean. Now let's read this in verse 15 through 16. It says, one of them, when he saw he was healed, came back, praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him, and he was a Samaritan. You know, if there was something that somebody has done for you, and you could say something to them that was meaningful, that was so important, that, man, I just want to be able to share with them how important, how amazing it was, what would you say? What, how would you express it? It's the best gift that you've ever received. What would you want to say to them? What would you, maybe you've already said it, but what is, how can you express your gratitude? How can you express your thanks? Or what would you say to some people if, if you had that chance? Because, you know, there's, there's um, with, you know, my son, he's three, and, and um, you know, we, we have a lot of interesting conversations together, uh, him and I. And uh, there was a couple months ago, it was, it was a couple months ago where, you know, on Wednesday nights, usually I, I try to get home in time for them before they go to bed and stuff. And so I, you know, I get home and it was a little bit later that night than normal for me. So I figured he would just be in bed and he was. And so he, he um, you know, hadn't been able to talk to me that much that day except for the morning. And, and so, you know, I was like, okay, he's in bed, no big deal. And all of a sudden I hear those words, dad, dad, he's just yelling his head off. And I'm like, oh, great. Like, what does he want? Like, you know, at this point, I'm, I'm just tired. I'm ready to, to go to bed. You know, I'm just done, just done for the day. And, you know, I, I realized this. I had this perspective of every time he wants me to come into that bedroom, there's a couple of things he wants. He wants a snack. He wants something to drink. Or he's got something so important that he's got to do to leave that room. And so he just wants out of the room, right? Because the words, it's time to go to bed, is like, is like a knife to the heart to him. It's like, no! Like, please, don't send me to bed, right? And so I'm just like, what does he want this time? And so I'm tired. I'm, I'm not in the best attitude moments right now. And so I walk in, and I turn on the light. I say, Isaiah, what do you need? And he just looks at me. He goes, I just wanted to talk to you. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> forgive me, Lord, for I am a sinner, right? That's what, I was, that's what I was feeling in that moment. And he just starts crying at the top of his lungs. And I'm just like, oh, no. Like, what did I just do? I'm the worst dad ever. And so... I, you know, I say, so I get, you know, I'm sitting with him and I'm talking with him like, well, what do you want to talk about? I don't even know. And so I'm like, okay, well, let's do this. What, you know, you don't have to go to bed right now, but we can read, we can read some books. You want to read a book? He's like, oh yeah, let's read a book. And so he grabs five. And so we're, we're trying, it's a negotiation, people. I just let it happen sometimes. And so, um, so we get these books out and we're reading away and he's just, He's just laughing, having a good old time and stuff. And I'm just thinking this whole time, I'm like, you know, thank God that he gives me a choice in this moment because, and his grace is powerful and his mercy is powerful. And I'm so glad he's given it to me because now I can extend it in this situation, right? Because if I want to be by the rule, he should be in bed. But no, you know, this time I'm going to show some grace here. And so it was a, a fun, fun moment for me at, at, at the start of it, it made me feel terrible because I was not happy until he said those phrases. And that was the first time he used that phrase to me, which was even more shocking. 
Because I'm like, who, who are you? Like, you know, like most of the time you're running around like a crazy person. And in that moment, it was just like seventh heaven. You know, it's just like, it was great. Um, you know, and so from this, we, uh, we read this about what he does, how he responds. He has a choice to make, it, and these men. But it says one of them has a moment and, and, and realizes something. It's important to realize moments where God blesses you. It's important to recognize it. In the moment, it, he recognizes the blessing. And so what does he do? He doesn't make his way to the synagogue like the rest of them. It never says he made it. It says he turned back when he recognized on the way he was healed. He turned around and left. And the other nine, I can imagine this conversation developing between them, like with the other nine, like, like what are you doing, man? Like, come on, we got, we're, we're back in. Like, we're going to get everything that we want. We can go back home. We can go back to our beds. We can, we can eat with people. We can be with our friends again. Like, don't you understand? And the guy is just like, fully aware. He said, no, I'm going to turn around. I'm going to go thank the guy who just healed me because there's something special about him. There's something different about this Jesus that I just encountered. And so he turns around. It's because, you know, he's, I believe he's thinking this way. He's thinking, you know what? Today the world can accept me, but tomorrow they can reject me again. You know, why, why would I want so much acceptance from the world when by tomorrow they can crucify me if they wanted to? Just like Jesus. One day they're cheering for him, the next day they're crucifying him. I mean, it's just like, just like that. So many times we, in our world, including us, we want to be so accepted by people when we should be living for the audience of one. There's only one person's opinion that really matters in the end. And if people accept you, great. If they don't, so be it. Welcome to Jesus' world, right? Welcome to following him. It's because life in Christ is not easy, but it is worth it. And when we live for the audience of one, it changes everything that we do. It changes the way we make decisions. It's because I want to please him. I don't want to please other people. At the end of my life, God's not going to care how many social media followers I have. He's going to care about how many followers of Christ that I raise up. That's the one thing that matters to him. Whether I get social media followers or not, great. Wonderful. But if I don't, I don't need that affirmation. You don't need that affirmation either. The affirmation you need is from God the Father. That you're loved and that he sees you right where you are and he sees the mess. And he, you know what? He still is willing to come and meet with you. He's not going to reject you just because you're not 100% perfect. What he responds to is not perfection. He responds to humility. He responds to somebody like this guy who comes to Jesus and throws himself at the feet of Jesus. He's never had a class on worshiping God. He just understands there's something so valuable that I just received. I don't want to miss this moment to thank him. He's never had a class on this stuff. I'm not saying those classes aren't bad. I'm just saying, listen, at the end of the day, there's something that will develop inside of you when God has done something for you. And you can express that in a way that is just indescribable. It's amazing. You pour out your energy. You pour out your effort in a world where everybody in our world knows how to worship. Don't tell me the world doesn't know how. Go into a stadium and show, they, will see, they will show you what they worship. And I'm not saying going to a football game is a bad thing. I'm just saying when we come into a place like this, when we come to follow God, we should be putting more energy into that than somebody who throws a football that doesn't even know my name. Hey, listen, I'm a big fan. 
But you know what? I will not pour more energy and effort into a team, into a bunch of guys that are throwing a football around that don't even know who I am. I'm sure they're appreciative that I root for them, but they, they don't have, they're human. They don't know, they don't have the time of day to get to know everything about me. But Jesus does. And so I'm going to pour more energy into that. I'm going to give more praise into him and to, and to who he is, not to someone that I don't even know. Because of what Jesus did for me was something that no one else can do for me. No one else can forgive me the way he forgives. No one else can extend mercy and grace the way he has extended mercy and grace to me. No one. And I think it's so important that we understand that, yes, there are times and places where we can grow and develop and and be a part of things that help us in our faith. But at the end of the day, there is still something inside of us that God puts in our hearts that that there's no way to contain it. It just overflows because you recognize what he's done for you. Don't ever let salvation in the cross become an old story to you because it's not old. And it's not something that's just, oh, that was cool 2,000 years ago. It's still relevant. It's still just as powerful as, as it was back then, and it's still powerful today. It's still the greatest message of all time. I don't care what stories we've heard. I've heard a lot of great stories in our world. I have. But it's still the greatest story of all time, and it will always be that way. So this man throws him at the, himself at the feet of Jesus, and he thanks him, and he was a Samaritan. You talk about controversy. Okay, so Jesus is, is healing a leper. That's a no-no. Don't go near them. Don't even communicate with them. Stay away. That's a no-no. Now, he's, now, he's, now we have a Samaritan who's been healed. You talk about a double no-no. Like, don't do that. Like, that's just, you don't want to associate with a Samaritan. We've seen Jesus associate with a Samaritan before, and we've seen how much controversy it brought when he met that woman at the well, who was a Samaritan woman. It, it created a lot of controversy. Even amongst his disciples, those who were close to him knew how controversial that was. And this is and an important thing to, to look at, is that this man who did this was someone no one ever expected to do it. You know, I believe this is important for, for a lot of people in this room, that you've downplayed what God has called you to do, or you just don't feel like you can do it. I'm telling you, God is wanting to use people who are known and who are unknown. The same Jesus that died for Kanye is also the same Jesus that died for you. And God is using him, and God will use you. He's using the known, and he's using the unknown. The, por- the purpose is, are you living it out? Are you making the choice to say, regardless if I'm known by the world or not, I'm going to live for the audience of one, and I'm choosing him over everything else. I don't, what purpose would it be for me to gain the whole world and yet forfeit my very soul? That's what Jesus said. What purpose is that? We don't need their approvals. We need the acceptance of Jesus. That's the opinion that matters. And I'm not saying go and, and, and be a terrible person to the world or, or abandon everybody that's not a Christian. That's not what I'm saying because how can you reach a world if you push aside everybody who's not a Christian? How can you reach them if, you don't have, if you're not willing to meet with them, if you're not willing to have lunch with them, if you're not willing to be at their table and to talk with them? As we, Josh mentioned at the beginning of this in our, in our time as we transitioned was that Jesus ate with anybody and everybody who was willing to come to the table. And that's what we are to do. We're to love all people, and we have that choice to make. You know, and this man, 
this man does some ama- did something very amazing, something very unusual. You know, this is what it says in verse 17 through 19. Jesus asked, We're not all ten cleansed. Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner? Then he said to him, Rise and go. Your faith has made you well. Jesus is using this as an illustration, and he's teaching them through questions. Because where are the other nine? Why is this one coming back? He's a foreigner, so they are, they're, they're so confused by the fact that this man would have the sensitivity to come and thank Jesus for what he has done. And they don't understand. Like how? You know, I always find it, find it amazing when God seems to save the person I would have least expected, and for some reason the person that I expected to follow Christ doesn't. And I'm like, they're right there. Why don't they just cross over? Why don't they just take that step? And for some reason, time and time again, they don't. And God is, you know, and the people I'm looking at and the people that I've witnessed in my life and, and I've seen friends that I've grown up with, and I said, God, they're too far away. There's no way. And I see God radically change their life. I have several friends right now that I just wrote off and said, there's no way. It's over. I mean, they're too far gone. There's nothing I can say. There's nothing I can do. And God changed their life. God has called some of them into the ministry as well. And I just, I'm blown away. I'm blown away that God is able to do something that I never even considered is possible. This, this is a very important thing in what Jesus is, is showing here. Is that you had, not, you had ten individuals healed, but you only had one who received salvation. This is important. Don't miss this. Because God's love is so powerful and his love is so good It falls on those who are followers, and it falls on those who are not followers. The Bible says this in in Matthew chapter 5, verse 45. He causes his son to rise on the evil and the good. He sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. His love is so powerful, it's not just meant for those who love him. It's also meant for those who don't want anything to do with him. I mean, look at the son. We had the son come out today, right? That was... God speaking that into existence. It's a, it's a sign of his love. It's a sign of who he is. It's a sign that he's good. And yet, we experience it, and then there are a ton of people around this planet who are experiencing that. There are people who are following Jesus, and then there are people who are not. And so, God's love is so powerful, it is impacting the entire world, whether they recognize him or not. It is such a powerful thing. So nine received healing, but one experienced salvation. Now, do these men accept Christ after this? I don't know. All we know is this is the one who received it. When he was humble enough to come back and to not care about what anybody else is is saying, can you imagine he used to have to say, I'm unclean, I'm unclean? I can imagine him saying, running back and saying, I'm clean. I mean, you talk about a context shift that just totally is so important to him that he has to say, I'm clean, I'm clean, right? That's an important statement to him. To us, it means nothing, but to him, it meant everything because that was the, the, the most humiliating thing he would have to do is to shout that. And now he gets to praise God and shout, I'm clean, I'm clean, I'm clean again. There's something about recognizing life's blessings and, because you know what? There's so many around us we don't even know. Thank God for the sun. Thank God for the stars. Thank God for the sky. Thank God for the weather. Although I do want to talk to him about Maryland weather when I get to heaven. 
I got to understand something, all right? And it's, it's important to, to know that God is just good. It's, he's just that good. He's good to those who love him, and he's going to be good to those who don't want anything to do with him. That's what John 3.16 is all about. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. He died on the cross for people who loved him, and he died for those who don't want anything to do with him. But you know what? He knew that they were all worth it. He knew you were worth it. That's something that is that needs to set in so deep. That's what I'm saying. The cross should never get old to us. It shouldn't because it's so powerful. It changed the course of your life. It changed your destiny. It changed where you spend all of eternity. I mean, it's, there's something to be said about that, and that's something that this man recognizes, is that there's something different about Jesus, and I'm going to give him all the praise, all the glory, and all the honor that he truly deserves. And this morning, as we close this time, you know, what challenges are we facing today? Maybe it's overwhelmed you, or you feel like there's nothing else anyone can do. The pain is too great. The circumstances are too much. There's too many issues. It's never going to stop. What challenges are you facing today? Maybe you've already written it off, and God brings it back to your mind. Maybe it's a job situation. Maybe it's a family situation. Let me just tell you this. It's an opportunity for God to show his great and mighty power. It's a place that God has his eye on, even if you don't. It's got, he's, it's got his attention. And when you've got the attention of the Almighty, how many know that is good news? Is because every time Jesus shows up into a situation, he changes things. And he wants to change you. He wants to change your situation. He wants to change the people around you. But it's important that we recognize the humility in this man. He didn't come with demands. He didn't come with a list of requirements or expectations that he was going to place on Jesus. He simply laid it all down and just said, I don't care. If I have you, that's all I need. I don't care what the other nine think about me for not going to the synagogue to be accepted by my culture again. Because you know what? Tomorrow my culture could reject me just because of something I do or something that happens to me. They can reject me by tomorrow. But you never rejected me even when I was at my worst. Isn't that amazing? He never rejected the lepers even when they were at their worst place in their life. So you cannot outrun his love. You cannot outrun his goodness. You cannot outrun his grace. You cannot outrun his mercy. This is why we worship him. This is why I worship him, because I recognize that there are things in my life where I just, I just said, Lord, it's impossible, I can't do it. And you know what? Even though it seemed like it was a lack of faith, I believe that God put me in a perfect position to show his great and mighty power is when I begin to say, Lord, it can't happen. I can't be that man. I can't do this. God says, it's an opportunity now for me to show my great and mighty power and to transform the very situation you said, it can't be done. And I can. Those, those kinds of stories amaze me. Those kinds of stories change your heart. It causes you to be more kind it causes you to be more compassionate. It causes you to be more gracious to people. It causes you to be more merciful. It causes you to be more generous than you've ever been.
before. Because you know what? I don't have to give, now I get to give. I don't have to serve, I get to serve. I don't have to ask what time do I need to be there, I get to say, how soon can I be there? That's what it causes me to do. It changes every aspect of my life because of what he has done for me and the impossible things I have witnessed. I'm seeing healings. I've seen transformed lives. I've seen marriages restored. I've seen God provide where there was no way for somebody to get what they needed, but God provided. I've seen God give hope to hopeless situations. I've seen God give compassion and mercy and grace to people that I didn't even think deserved it, to be honest. Is it okay to be real? There are times where I'm like, no, Lord, no. And God says, no, it needs to happen because I still care. It's okay. It's okay to lay these challenges at the Lord's feet and to say, Lord, I don't believe it can be done, but help me to believe that you can. Because when you touch things, when your hand is on things, when you speak things change. This is why we we close the way we do because we know the Lord could speak just a phrase or a word that changes the course of our world and it can change the course of your life. For the simple fact that there is a sun in Genesis it says let there be light and it says there was light. It took two or three seconds to say that phrase and yet it changed not just that moment, it changed the entire world for all of eternity just one little phrase. So even though we worship the Lord for just a few moments at the end here, I am telling you, when God speaks, the demons tremble, Satan flees, and the darkness, the fear, the depression must bow when he, when he speaks. I read that this morning in my Bible about the voice of God in Psalm 29. When, the, when God speaks, the earth thunders. When God speaks, the ground shakes. When God speaks, there's transformation. This is the voice of God. This is who he is. Don't ever underestimate his power. And let's begin to thank him for all the blessings that he has done for us. Because you know what? You haven't seen anything yet. And I haven't seen everything either. There's more for God to do and there's more that he wants to do. And just when you think you've got this whole thing figured out, he does more than you could ever possibly ask or imagine.